When common and simple terms are so often getting redefined, divisions and communication breaches with our kids are guaranteed. When terms like marriage and family are now being changed and even sanctioned by our government, this can foster confusion and angst in the healthy among us. And when the obvious lines of demarcation between what it means to be a male or a female are now being disputed, it should be no wonder when the traditional roles of mom and dad are being brought into question also. And we're supposed to be able to navigate the parenting waters through all of this? Well, today, we're going to talk about what used to be called the institutional head of the family, or fatherhood. Being the strong father your child needs, that's next on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello, and thanks for joining us for today's edition of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program helping teens in crisis, and as we say by extension, helping their families. I'm Rich Rosel, and our host on the program is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry. And uh, Trace, can, can I still say fatherhood anymore without us getting complaints that I'm being politically incorrect or guilty of gender profiling or being sexist? I'm very confused these days. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. But aren't we rapidly heading in that direction as a society? Or as my former boss used to say, are we rapidly progressing backwards? <laughs> I think we've uh, already arrived, Rich. Uh, <laughs> at least half the nation anyway. And I'm not kidding. Uh, but because it's the half with the biggest stage and the loudest microphone, uh, it's making the other half, which happens to be our half, start to second guess what has always been a traditionally objective position. And, uh, and now we're being made to feel guilty about it. So if we don't wake up and, and help put the brakes on things, not only is fatherhood going to look worse than it already does today, but our entire nation is going to keep spiraling downward also. I mean, we've got to be willing to say the emperor has no clothes on. So uh, I've got a message for my fellow Americans right now, particularly for those in the secular mental health community. Can we please stop this postmodern, relativistic, and politically correct, illogical nonsense? I mean, keep in mind, folks, it's the hippie generation that now rules and runs the media, the arts, our public and, and, and private education systems, and worse yet, our legal system. I'm talking Washington, D.C. So we're now seeing the logical outworking of this illogical worldview and thinking that's taking our society completely off the rails. Are there not more people of character out there who can step out from among the lemming-like masses and call a spade a spade so that we can see where this politically correct and postmodern nonsense is actually taking us as a people? And if parents and families are the skeleton on which any culture relies for its structural health, then certainly fathers should be the spine mm. in that equation. Wouldn't you agree, Rich? Absolutely. If we, if we follow the left's postmodern train of logic, why can't a woman be a father? I mean, after all, if a marriage can be between, you know, a man and a, uh, or something more than a man and a woman, what's the problem? Uh, Rich, I actually had a lady tell me that having a penis doesn't make you a male. If that's the case, then what you and I would traditionally think of as being a female could actually be a father also. Mm. Or if I completely lost my mind here, we're going to talk about the importance of strong fathers in, in this half hour. And we're going to assume that you're still defining all the terms the same way that, that they've been defined since the beginning of time. And if you can do that, I think this program will benefit you and your entire family tremendously. And I think one of the things we'll also do <laughs> while you catch your breath is uh, remind the listener that 
strength comes in a lot of sizes and shapes. There, there's not one prescribed strength, but being a strong dad, we're going we're gonna to help define what that means That's so exactly. that you understand because that could be argued as well. Mm-hmm. If all definitions are up to the chance, we're going to try to— it's, it's a shame you have to qualify things like this in exactly. order to have a cogent conversation. But uh, Exactly. Well, today we have asked pediatrician, mother, grandmother, host of the parenting podcast, Parenting Great Kids, and best-selling author of six books, Dr. Meg Meeker, to uh, join us today. Uh, Meg has spent the last 30 years practicing pediatric and adolescent medicine. Uh, Her work with countless families over the years has served as the inspiration behind her best-selling books, and I'll name some of them for you. Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, Strong Mothers, Strong Sons, The Ten Habits of Happy Mothers, Boys Should Be Boys, and the one that we're going to be talking about today, Hero Being the Strong Father Your Children Need, which is being released right about now. Uh, Dr. Meg is a popular speaker on key issues confronting American families, so we thought we'd get her take on this one. And by the way, uh, we thought it was a good idea to, to hear the perspective of the importance of strong dads from a mom. So uh, that's to tee it up. By the way, Meg and her husband uh, live and work in northern Michigan. In fact, she shares a medical practice with her husband, Walter. They have four grown children and one beautiful granddaughter. And as a new grandfather myself, yes, all granddaughters are beautiful. <laughs> Trace. <laughs> new grandfather myself. Is that an oxymoron? New grandfather? I, I'm not sure. All right. Meg, welcome to the Licensed Parent Broadcast. We really appreciate you being with us. Well, thank you for being for having me on, and, and thank you for your patience. Well, Trace, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for the rant, but I had I had to get that out. I guess the first thing we need to ask you is uh, what actually is a strong father? Uh, what's we, what's he look like, and, and how do we know that Meg Meeker's definition is the right one? I speak for children. You know, my job as a pediatrician for now over thirty years is to really help parents, mothers, fathers see themselves through the eyes of children. What I see behind closed doors in my practice is reality. And reality is children crave for the, they they hunger for love and protection from a man, from their dad. And in a children's eyes, a mother is vastly different from a father. Their mother's love is non-negotiable. They say mothers have to love them because mom is mom. And, 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 me, and I know this because I have said to them over the years, particularly if I have a troubled child, tell me who in your life loves you. And immediately they say, well, my mom does because she's my mom. She has to. And that comes out of the mouths of nine out of ten children I ask. Hmm. The second thing is I'm pretty sure my dad does, but, um, I, you know, I'm not 100% sure. Now, the interesting thing is, very often I know the parents of the child that, that the child is talking about. And I would be able to say, well, I know your dad loves you. But the child doesn't perceive it because a child perceives that dad is this big figure in life. And dad can come and go. And they desperately want dad to love them. So they feel they need to work harder to get dad's love. Mm. So that's the difference in the eyes of a child, the heart of a child, whether that child is five or 15 or even 22, I would say, between a mother and a father. The longing for the love, the need for the love from each the, from the mother and from the father is equally strong. But to a child, the, the love is a different type of love. Meg, well, and we have to accept that. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, but would I be too politically incorrect if I said that it's only the man, the father, that can bring a sense of manhood, uh, the, the, the degree of security and enforcement and logic that, that, that makes, uh, makes that child whole, the family whole, the, the, the man and wife one, uh, yes. working inside the ecosystem of God? I mean, isn't, isn't that? Yes, <laughs> that, that's absolutely right. Because if you say to a child, you know, two mothers can be a mom and a dad, that makes a child feel crazy because in a child's heart, every child knows there's a mom and dad out there. Because mm-hmm. you can't be alive without, you know, a mom and a right. dad, at least on a genetic level. And so a kid knows that. And even if you present them two mothers or two dads, that child always wonders, but where's my dad? We now know that children who are birthed from sperm donation have gone and tried to find the sperm donor Mm. because the word father means something. And children believe that protection to them comes in a bigger form through a father. Mm -hmm. And because the dad in their eyes is bigger and stronger and has authority that the mother doesn't have. If you aren't willing to affirm to a child what truth is, the child begins to doubt themselves and they feel crazy. For instance, if you tell them, no, you have a mom and a dad, but you really, but you can call them both mommy and one mommy is going to wear pants and one mommy will wear dresses or both will wear pants, but this mommy is equally good as a dad. That child goes, well, what's wrong with me then? Because it doesn't feel like that. Well, yeah, isn't, isn't taking dad out of the equation kind of like bucking up against what God has actually wired into their subconscious, into exactly. their spirit? That's, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, because a child lives closer to truth than many adults do because right. they are wired to understand truth in a very innocent and pure and simple way by God. Yeah, Scripture and says so we're, we're, re- we're made in the image of God. Exactly. Yeah. I use the word strong father because I've been in this long enough to know that the longing in every child's heart is for a good mother and a strong father. A strong father who's willing to say, I am dad. The buck stops with me. I will love you. I am responsible for caring and protecting you. I am responsible for laying some ground rules to your life to keep you safe. And you may or may not like them. But that's why I'm here. And, by the way, I am here to show you what male love is all about so that you can know who God the Father is. Yeah, that's so important. Meg, real quick, you, um, you know, you're saying these are the roles of the dad. Um, where does the strong specifically come in in that? Because I know in a lot of your books you use the word strong, strong fathers, strong yes, daughters, yes. et cetera, et cetera. So what part of what you just described is the strength that you want to emphasize? The strong father is one who lives, is willing to put himself on the line in the center of the family and lead the family to live a life of integrity, to tell the truth, to be honest, um, to be patient, to be um, God-fearing, to love God and to show his kids how to love God. The reason I use strong is because fathers are being sold a bill of goods that strength is bad, Mm -hmm. strength is toxic, strength is oppressive, but strength is not. Strength is having the chutzpah, if you will, to say, I don't care how other people define me. I am 
a central figure in this family unit, and I'm going to claim it. And I'm not going to be a jerk and boss everybody around and never listen to anybody, but I'm going to engage. I'm going to accept my responsibility. I'm going to be faithful to my wife, and I'm going to help my children. Because women have lived in our family units believing that, because this is what we're taught, when it comes to kids and parenting, we got it covered. We don't need dads because we understand better right. how to communicate to kids. We're verbal. Yeah. Dads aren't. So we communicate to our husbands. When we need you here, we'll let you know. And I've got everything covered with the kids from breastfeeding on. Now, now think about that. A baby's brought into a home, and women tell fathers, you can't even feed this child. Only I can sustain life. And there are women out there who say, you know, you should never bottle feed a baby because that's not good. And I say, yes, you should. Because as a pediatrician, children need to bond with their dad. So right from infancy, mothers are trained to believe that fathers need to be pushed out of the equation. We will run the show. Yeah, so cultural indoctrination. Exactly. But, but women are trained to do that. Yeah, right. Even godly women, women who know better. And then we, as wives, complain the husbands are never engaged. Right. So then we complain they don't do anything. Dad comes in to do something, and we come in and say, no, you're doing it all wrong, and he goes back into orbit. <laughs> he can't win. How, how much is the secular mental health field uh, promoting this? this, this how, all how, over culpa- the place. How, how culpable all over the place. is the secular mental health field in this area? Because I think they're quite culpable. Quite culpable, because this is, a, um, this is a, sort of the mantra of, of the day, because we have to empower women. You know, I went to an all-women's college in the 1970s outside of Boston, and I remember being trained and taught that whatever men had, we were going to have. Whatever they were going to do, we were going to do it better. And this thinking began, and it proliferated, and it got wound into social teaching. The fabric of who we are as a people. Exactly. And so, and, and if, you, if you look at the way young parents, the, the, the lessons they learn in parenting books and the lessons they learn in mental health professions is that women can do it all. And, um, and now it's not just women that can do it all. Any loving person can do it all. Oh, yeah. and by the way, you don't need to be male nor female. Mm-hmm. You just need to be a loving, warm body over 21. Well, that's a failing you, experiment. Of course. I mean, while we're seeing it, you know, right before our eyes, this is a systemic problem that has crept into, you know, it's, it's a, we talk about raising kids, nature, nurture, it's both hand, as you know. The nurture that our entire country is getting now is uh, really pushing that, that, uh, that nature down into a, into a small corner. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Meg Meeker, author of the book, Hero, Being the Strong Father Your Children Need, which is being released right about now. Uh, You can find it on Amazon.com. You can also find Meg on her website, MegMeekerMD.com. That's MegMeeker, M-E-E-K-E-R-M-D.com. This is Licensed to Parent, back with more conversation with our host, Trace Embry, and Dr. Meg Meeker when we return. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the Internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. 
The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Hi, this is Ravi Zacharias. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherds Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent. I remember talking to somebody in the entertainment world once who said their entire target audience was an 18-year-old and typically an 18-year-old male. They said the influence they wield in a culture around with their friends is enormous. So a ministry like this to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot say how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. With the generous gifts from people just like you, we're able to provide parents with practical insights to navigate the challenges families face in today's culture, as well as helping troubled teens in our year-long residential program. To learn more and to donate, visit LicensedToParent.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, and you'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. And our guest on today's program, Dr. Meg Meeker, we're talking about her book, which is coming out right about now, the same time this program is coming out. It's called Hero, Being the Strong Father Your Children Need. And incidentally, if you'd like to pick up a copy, you'll find it on Amazon.com. Trace? Talking about strong fathers. Uh, Meg, uh, can you tell us why and how testosterone isn't the hormonal antichrist that uh, many feminists, uh, secular mental health professionals and leftists have, have made it out to be, especially uh, when properly harnessed by the Spirit of God? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it, it, many perceive it as the Antichrist because it, it, it invokes fear. Mm-hmm. We hear testosterone and, and they ascribe words like bullying and oppressive right. to it. In fact, that's, that's, that's not true at all. The reason that If you that profiled anything else like that, there would be an uproar, by the way. Oh, my. Yes. Yeah. Estrogen. <laughs> Try that. You, you'd be, you, you wouldn't have a head left. Exactly. You know? As a matter of fact, you know, if women were portrayed in the media like men are portrayed, we'd have a civil war because women would, would not put up with that. The reason testosterone is important is because it separates maleness and femaleness, and we need that. Um, testosterone communicates or, or, or represents uh, strength, physical strength, emotional strength, um, mental strength, and, and kids crave that. They want that. They need that. You know, you deal with girls and I deal with girls, and one of the most popular shows that a lot of girls um, watch now is called Twilight, and it's a bit odd, but if you poll, which a man did, several hundred girls, and why they like the show so much, over and over and over they said because they love to have a man protect them that fiercely, mm-hmm. love them that much, and that's what testosterone is. Testosterone is living with the sense that while you are here, I can't be harmed. Because every woman 
lives with a sense that we are very vulnerable to being hurt and harmed. Yeah. When my husband is around and in the home, um, he's not, you know, six foot five, but he's six feet and he's a runner, but he's physical strength. And, and I feel safer and I'm not afraid to say that. My kids feel safer when dad is around. But it's more than the physical safety. It's an emotional safety, too. Sure. If you have a daughter who is, is dating, every daughter craves to know that her dad is right behind her. So oh, if yeah. this guy tries something that she doesn't like, all she has to say is, no, my dad will kill you. Yeah, you know, I heard, <laughs> you know, I heard Dr. Dobson share a story about a girl dressing provocatively, and she was down in the mouth because uh, uh, her dad didn't uh, keep her from leaving the house dressed that way. I can't tell you how often I see that. The stories I, I hear from the girls here at Shepherd's Hill, he, he was spot on. They, they, they want someone older, wiser, bigger, stronger, more determined to do right than they are to do wrong to say this is what's got to be done. They actually want that. They crave it. Mm -hmm. It's a hunger. It really is a hunger. And I remember my dad did that for me when I was, um, even even through my college years. But I remember going, I remember not talking to him for three days. Sure. That was your flush. But it was a couple years later, I said, Dad, thank you so much. The guy was a real creep. He said, I know. And I couldn't see it, even at 21, but I knew that he could. And girls crave that so much Boy, do and that's a message that's so hard for me as a woman pediatrician to get through to the dads because who, who have daughters dating cause, oh no i don't want to invade her privacy invade it yeah. i said any man that or boy that wants to take put your daughter in a car and drive her around you need to look at him eyeball to eyeball and shake his hand you don't even know, need to open up your mouth that's right you know, that 17-year-old boy is going to get it. That's exactly and right. And I guarantee you he will speak differently to your daughter and he'll drive differently. That's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that, by the way, makes girls feel so loved. And they end up with you and they end up in, uh, in Homes for Troubled Girls because they don't feel loved and protected. That's exactly right. I, you know, it's funny because uh, I, I my strong-willed child was my daughter. Uh, she's not in a program. She actually runs one now. She runs both boys and girls departments here. I get little love notes. Uh, she's 30 years old now, but I get little love notes uh, on my car steering wheel or on the seat or on my desk. Dad, thank you for not letting me do that when I was blah, blah, blah. Thank you for making me do this. Dad, I thought there was a time I hated you, but, but, but. I get those things kind of regularly, and I'll tell you what, if parents knew that they had that kind of stuff to look forward to, they might maybe they'd think a little bit differently. But I know, oh, yeah. I know we're kind of running down on time here, and I, and I wanted to ask you about any solid scientific research that would affirm our thoughts on the importance of strong fathers, something that would convince the naysayers that uh, dads, as they've been traditionally understood, uh, are, are an important part of kids' emotional well-being and development into maturity uh, and healthy adulthood. Fortunately, we're getting more research because, um, like everything else, there's been um, a lot more research on mothers than there has on fathers, but that's beginning to change. We know that children who are um, six months of age and older, children who have fathers who read to them regularly, if you take those children at three and test them against control groups whose fathers don't read to them, those children who are read to by their fathers, Um, from six months to three, test higher on IQ tests. We know that girls who have a father in the home are far less likely to suffer from depression, anxiety, and this is true for boys as well, so I should say boys and girls, 
far less likely to suffer from depression, anxiety, um, getting into high-risk behaviors during the teen years like sex, drugs, and alcohol. They're more likely to graduate from high school, more likely to go on to college and even on to graduate schools. We also know that the best way to uh, improve a girl's self-esteem is by having her father show her physical affection. It isn't by hiring a tutor to help her with the grades or sign her up for piano class. It's having her father give her physical attention. And I write a lot of this in my book, Hero. And I called it Hero because every father knows he can be and wants to be a hero, but every child needs and longs for their father to be their hero. And that's so embedded in the heart of a child. And any father can do it. But what I do to help launch fathers into engaging in their role as hero is by showing up a lot more of that data. Like, this is who studies say you are. Are you going to accept it or are you going to ignore it and walk the other way and continue to just orbit your home and your family? Wow. Meg, can you talk about the neurotransmitter oxytocin and uh, how how it does different things in the mother and in the father to help bring about a well-rounded parenting experience uh, for the child? Yeah, absolutely. Oxytocin is the um, the hormone that <clears throat> is the one that um, that the women have high levels of when they're pregnant, and it and it precipitates labor, and it um, it helps nursing. But the oxytocin also um, helps bonding. It helps bonding of the the mother and the father. Interestingly enough, if you look at oxytocin levels in fathers around the time the baby's born. They have higher levels of oxytocin, too, in order to bond with their babies. And yet we, as a culture, say, no, 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 stay out of the way. How is this not spiritual? How is this not spiritual? How is it not spiritual? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, God clearly, you know, wants fathers and mothers in the home to provide security from day one for their children and to be an example of that and to to provide that. So, um, you know, it it really, it's a bonding hormone, and God gives it to each parent when they need it so that the child can be secure and and have a happy and a strong life. And then, of course, as the child gets older, it goes down in fathers and in... um, you know, and, and we have other neurotransmitters at work, but it's so beautiful that because even the, 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 the neurotransmitter, the neurohormonal wiring of the mother and the father is different at different periods in the child's life in order to facilitate a strong home. Mm. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Meg Meeker, who's author of the book Hero being the strong father your children need. As I mentioned earlier, that book is being released right now, and you can find it on Amazon.com. You can find out more about Dr. Meg and uh, her work on her website, MegMeekerMD.com. I'll spell that for you. That's MegMeeker, M-E-E-K-E-R-M-D.com. Meg, thank you for uh, sharing your book with us today, and I got to say, as as a father of five, it was still very instructional for me, and I'm I'm grateful that you've written it. Well, thank you, and God bless you and all that you do as well. Mm. And uh, this is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. A reminder: you can find us online at licensedtoparent.org. We produce this program each week to share some of the hard lessons that come from working with troubled teens day after day. Our hope is that your family can avoid some of the heartache and avoid the need for a residential program for your teen. 
Uh, as always, if you can help financially, and we certainly hope you will, please click the donate button at the top of the page at licensedtoparent.org and become one of our ministry partners. Your gift can help the work we do at Shepherd's Hill. It can provide scholarship aid to families who need residential care but can't afford it. And it can help keep this radio program on the air. Again, click the donate button when you visit us at licensedtoparent.org. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.